Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Fenton. This is a very important episode. It's very important to me. I'd love to hear if it's important to you. I really genuinely would love your feedback on this episode, on every episode, but this episode in particular, this is something that I think... (laughs) I think we need to talk about more. I think we need to talk about a lot more. I think we need to execute a lot more because I mentioned this last week. Fewer than 12% of Americans are considered metabolically healthy. So it's about 88%, not just Americans, Western populations have some degree of insulin resistance. 88% have some degree of insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction, which is fascinating because not I, I have no intention of, of getting political. I don't feel political about this, but it's like we're going to fiercely debate each other over masks and vaccines, but we're not going to fiercely debate each other or take full responsibility. Screw debate. Take full responsibility for our health. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And so we need to have this conversation more. Food has everything to do, so much to do, the dramatic majority to do with if we are vitally healthy or deeply sick. And if you're not sure which path you're on, I think we all understand that you're not on the path to being vitally healthy. Now, I think a lot of the reason maybe not a lot, maybe not even a little, some of the reason that people aren't taking action is, is, or at least the reason they'll point to is that there's so much misinformation. I don't know if I should be doing this or if I should be doing that. There seems like there's research that says this and there's research that should say that. There's research that eggs are good. There's research that eggs are bad. There's research that veggies are good and research that veggies are bad and meat and all these other things, dairy. But here's the deal. Let's talk for just a second about why there is conflicting information, say on dairy, on cholesterol. Some of the research is just done poorly. We're not going to deny that. But nutrition is a tough thing to study. And I'll give you an example. Let's say that there is a nutritional study, because they're not going to, they're not going to research in humans 
things that could be unhealthy or damaging because that would be unethical. So what they do is they do observational types of studies or uh, they'll do trials where it's like a healthy choice and a placebo choice. But let me give you an example of why it can be so confusing. Let's say that there's a research study, and there's many of them, looking at groups of people who eat more veggies compared to groups of people who eat fewer veggies. And they find that the group that eats more veggies has all of these more positive health outcomes. The problem is they don't usually account for the fact that the people who eat more veggies are probably more active and they probably are leaner, have lower body fat percentages, eat more protein, right? If we were to, say, select at random a group of people that eats 50% more vegetables or even 25% more vegetables than another group. We can make some conclusions just based on obviousness. People who eat more vegetables might be generally more health conscious and so they might be less likely to be smokers. They might be less likely to uh, have anxiety and depression because of their other health variables. And so there's all this confounding data that makes it very hard to draw conclusions that are precise and accurate. Nutrition data is just conflicting. It's confusing. It's hard to do well. But that doesn't mean, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, that there aren't some things that basically everybody agrees on and yet not everybody is doing. But before I talk about that, I want to, I want to point out that it's not just in nutrition that there's conflicting data. Let's look at finances. There is a very convincing school of thought that debt is bad and we should strive to be debt-free. And there is an equally convincing and sound and logical and reasonable school of data that says debt is good and we need to leverage it in order to be wealthy. And the fact of the matter is there's, there's truth in both. There's not just one way to financial prosperity. The same thing is true in, in business. There is absolutely conflicting info in business. Let's look just at social media growth. You need to post every single day in order to have growth on social media. And then there are other professionals who have had great results and who have sound data that it really doesn't matter how often you post. Or in fitness, that this type of lifting is good for you. Nope, this type of lifting is dangerous. Or cardio is critical. Nope, cardio is bad for you. There's not anything that is free from conflicting data. But what matters most? What matters most is that there are some things that are generally true across the board and not debated. For example, processed food is bad. Trans fats, bad. Trans fats are found in most processed foods. Sugar, minimize it or eliminate it. Overeating, bad for your body, bad for your health, bad for your waistline, bad for your longevity. So I often wonder why the people, or if the people who are stressing over, oh, should I, you know, is vegan healthy, or should I be carnivore, or should I do intermittent fasting, or should I be ketogenic, and does fasting not matter? Are these people consistently not eating processed foods, not having trans fats under any circumstances, minimizing or, or eliminating sugar, and never overeating? And honestly, I know that they're not. I know that most people aren't doing those basic, fundamental, undisputed things because if they were, 
we would have way more than 12% of people in Western civilizations who are metabolically healthy. So the first point I want to make is start with the things that are well accepted and not disputed as important for your health. Eat whole foods the dramatic majority of the time. Minimize or eliminate processed foods. Don't touch trans fats. Minimize sugar. Don't overeat. Don't binge, right? It puts a stress on your system. If we all did that 90, 95% of the time, that 12% of people who are metabolically healthy, that number would soar. And I really don't think anybody needs to debate the rest of the stuff until they're 90, 95% with everything else. So most of us can relax and focus on getting wildly consistent with eating whole, real foods, cutting out processed foods, not eating trans fats, minimizing sugar, and not overeating. Now, as for all these different schools of thought in nutrition, the wonderful thing that you've probably heard me say a hundred times or more is that your body is going to give you your answers. And it probably is true that there are going to be many things that work for you, some that work better than others, some that fit with your lifestyle better than others, But I think until we have the basics down, we really don't need to debate it. So I shared a while back in the Primal Potential Facebook group that I'm doing a carnivore experiment. Now, when this airs, I don't know if I'll still be doing it. You'll have to be in the Facebook group. Um, But I started it at the end of January with the intention of going for 30 days, seeing how I feel, and then reevaluating. So it might be in the Q&A that I've updated it. But carnivore essentially means no vegetables. And that's a far cry from the way that I've eaten for a long time. In fact, when I lost over 100 pounds, I was eating a lot of vegetables, moderate protein, moderate to high fat from healthy sources like salmon, coconut, avocado, eggs, and uh, pretty low carb. So the switch to carnivore is a big shift. But there's some really sound research that shows that it helps with inflammation. I'm not suggesting that carnivore is right and the other way is wrong. A more Mediterranean-style diet is wrong. I don't, I don't think that at all. I'm not here to say that uh, keto is right and vegan is wrong. I think there are many things that work for many people, and a lot of it has to do with your preferences and your lifestyle. It doesn't mean that some aren't better at, than others at things like lowering inflammation, reducing disease risk, helping with fat loss, but your body is going to give you your answers. So years ago, when I first lost, you know, over 130 pounds, it was working for me on a number of levels. I was losing weight. I had my cravings more under control. I was able to be in the gym five or six days a week and recover. I was sleeping well, all of those things. But I like to experiment. And that doesn't mean you have to. I want everybody to go back to, you don't have to choose any particular protocol. You can focus on eating whole foods the dramatic majority of the time, 90 to 95% of the time, cutting out processed foods, don't eat trans fats, minimize sugar, stop overeating, no binging, any of that. For me, I like to experiment, partially because of the nature of my job. 
uh, partially because that's you know what my educational background is in. And I'm just a curious person. I like to have different experiences and try different things. So in terms of carnivore, there is this school of thought that plants have protective mechanisms to help them survive. And what that means when humans consume plants is that they're going to essentially have some kind of immune response from the body, whether that's oxalates or it's, you know, lectins, phytates, all things we've talked about here on the show before, but they're pro-inflammatory. For me in my life right now, I'm eager for a, a different kind of experience and experiment, especially with long-term fertility being a goal of mine. Part of that is fat loss. Part of that is trying to eliminate inflammation or excess inflammation from my body. And so I'm giving it a shot. And I will know from things like my weight, my energy, my performance in the gym, my recovery, my sleep, my mood, but also tangible markers like fasting insulin, like hemoglobin A1C, uh, like HDL, high-density lipoprotein. I'm tracking those things as well. So that's the experiment that I'm on. A good book to read if you're curious about it is The Carnivore Code by Dr. Paul Saladino. Uh, he also has a podcast that's really interesting where he often talks about the common objections to something like carnivore. And just so everybody's on the same page, it's not just you know having steak and ground beef all the time. It's what they call tip to tail. So making sure that you're really taking advantage of organ meats, either in their traditional form, cook them and eat them or eat them raw or eat them in desiccated form, which is my preference. So, uh, dried encapsulated. And, uh, in his book, he talks about, you know, small amounts of fruit, but no veggies. And if you do dairy, raw dairy, very, very little dairy. So that's, that's the train that I started end of January and kind of committed to going through February and reevaluating. So here we are a couple weeks past that, uh, but I'm recording before I finish. So that is, those are the things that I'm looking at. What happens with my weight? What happens with my energy? What happens with my sleep? What happens with my mood? And of course, these biomarkers that I mentioned. You know, if you are somebody who's listening and you're like, well, I already have those things under control, Elizabeth. 90 to 95% of the time, I'm eating whole, unprocessed foods. I don't eat trans fats. I rarely have sugar. I've tackled overeating. That's not something that I battle. Then you can look at something like tracking your fasting insulin. A lot of times, we have to remember that medical doctors don't get a whole lot of training in nutrition and it lags behind substantially from where we are scientifically. So they're not usually the best resource. There are some unicorns out there who are very well versed in this kind of thing, but it is more rare. So looking at something like fasting insulin, if you can do some, some tweaking and, and get this number below five, your fasting insula, insulin level below five, that's amazing ideal unicorn status, get it under three. That would be rock star status, rock star status. Um, that's going to really tell us a lot about your overall metabolic health. But even if you don't go to the doctor and you don't get labs, pay attention to what's happening with your energy levels, what's happening with your body fat percentage, what's happening with your sleep, your ability to fall asleep, stay asleep, as long as you don't have an infant screaming and waking you up all the time. That kind of confounds variables a little bit. But I just want you to know that it's 
always going to be the case that there's going to be incongruence in nutritional data for all the reasons that I explained. We don't know. uh, For example, let's say that somebody is in a nutritional study and they're looking at a supplement that they took or they're looking at a particular dietary change that they've made. Well, this person might have a genetic predisposition to high cholesterol that is not accounted for in the study. And it's very, very difficult to have high quality research studies on nutrition because there are so many other variables. You could have a a group of people and you're not accounting for the fact that their stress levels are through the roof or they're getting a ton of sleep or they're not getting any sleep. Body weight is often a variable. Um, Let's see, body fat percentage aside from from body weight is a variable. And the other thing about data is it's very easy to manipulate. These researchers know how to manipulate the data to get it to say what they want to say. They're professionals. This is what this is what researchers do. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's very true. There is self-interest and any one of us could design a study to give us the result that we want. It is 100% possible to design a study to give you the result that you want. You don't need to be frustrated by this. This is the way of the world. That's why there's different schools of thought in every single area of your life. Focus first on the things that are undisputed. Nobody is saying that it's a great idea to eat processed foods and trans fats. Nobody is saying that, you know, sugar isn't a problem. Eat as much of it as you want. Focus on getting 90%, 95% consistent with those basics, and then let your body give you the results. I really don't care. I mean, there's a ton of research in this book, The Carnivore Code, in terms of, you know, why it's best to minimize plants. I know that I lost a ton of weight eating a lot of veggies. Now, part of that reason we've got to realize is that because when I was doing that, I was also cutting out processed foods and sugar, and I was more active. So is it the vegetables or is it all these other things? Is it both? I don't really care. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm going to now compare at this phase of my life, at this age, how do I feel eating another way? I might continue after 30 days. I might not. I might do it sometimes and not all the time. And that's perfectly okay. But I need to have this conversation more about metabolic health because there's just very few people who are metabolically healthy. And there's a lot that we can do to improve it. So focus on the foundational things that are undisputed. And then if and when you experiment, focus first on what's an improvement for you and then let your body give you the answers in terms of what is best for you in all of the other areas. I'll put a link to the book if you're curious about it, The Carnivore Code, Dr. Paul Saladino. I am not endorsing it in any way. Uh, I certainly am happy to answer any and all questions about my experience. So send those to me at Elizabeth Benton on Instagram is probably the best way. I'm happy to answer any and all questions you have about my experience, any weight loss, any symptoms, any side effects, any conclusions. Uh, I can do another episode on that. If you guys are interested, just let me know. I really don't get caught up in like oh, but I've read the China study about how meat is so bad and it's going to kill you and this, that, and the other thing. 
I think that if we get the basics right with whole foods, limited processed foods, no trans fats, minimal sugar, not overeating, being active, getting sleep, minimizing stress, I don't think the rest is going to be what I call a big rock. And we can also play with it. Your body is not going to lie to you. I'm going to look at my fasting insulin. I'm going to look at my HDL. I'm going to look at how I'm performing in the gym, how my body looks and feels. And I'm going to have data that I trust more than any scientific paper out there. So I'll link it up in the show description. Let me know if you have questions. Everybody have an amazing day. Take good care of yourself. Start to move towards metabolically healthy with those big rocks that are undisputed. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.